Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast with Kareem Farah, Kate Gaskell, and me, Zach Diamond. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. This is episode 32 and we're going to be talking about project-based learning in a modern classroom. And I'm super excited to be joined by Kristen Moore, who is a high school math teacher and STEM instructional coach at a project-based learning school in Michigan. And I saw you, Kristen, on the webinar that you did with Kate last week and it was awesome. So I'm really excited to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great getting to talk to you and Kate and everyone at Modern Classrooms about project-based learning. Yeah. I have been teaching in a project-based setting for quite a while now, but I'm pretty much self-taught. <laughs> like I, I just, you know, read up on it and I am, I'm excited to hear from you. I'm learning from you tonight. So it's going to be fun. Awesome. I can't wait. So why don't we start off by just hearing a little bit about your career in education. And in particular, I'm curious, as an expert in project-based learning and someone with experience in project-based learning, how did you find the Modern Classrooms Project and what drew you to reimagining your instruction based on MCP um, when you're already in what would many would consider to be a pretty like innovative educational model? Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've been working at this high school. It's a really super innovative project-based school, and I've been here for the past 10 years. I was one of the original teachers at this school, and I'm so proud of the program that we have developed. Um, I came across Modern Classrooms this past spring. I was on the hunt for some new ideas for creating instructional videos. You know, due to the COVID-19 shutdowns, I needed to be teaching my students virtually, and I was struggling with that. And the last time that I had made instructional videos was in 2015 when I was on maternity leave. And I was like fairly confident that there had to be some better ideas out there. So I stumbled across the article, Call to Pedagogy, and followed the links. And when I saw Modern Classrooms offered an approach that incorporated three practices I was already using in my classroom, so I was already using blended instruction, self-pacing, and mastery-based grading. I was so excited to try this system that you guys had and to incorporate it with the project-based learning that I was doing with my students. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it really just speaks to how flexible the model is, I think. like, I, This is something we talk about a lot on the podcast, but the Modern Classrooms model is not a curriculum. You know, it's not like a, a way that we have to teach. It's not a prescribed method. It's just sort of a, a a model for fitting your curriculum into. And I think that project-based learning is also a really flexible model and it's really cool to see how the two can come together. And yeah, I definitely think that instructional videos and self-pacing in a, in a project-based setting are, are super powerful. And we'll, we'll talk about that. So you teach at a project-based learning school and clearly you, you know a lot about project-based learning. I mean, you're a coach in project-based learning. Can you share a little bit about what project-based learning is? How can our listeners who aren't familiar with project-based learning understand what it is? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, project-based learning is huge, but if I have to narrow it down, uh, project-based learning is really a student-centered, inquiry-driven approach to teaching where your students are going to be engaging and answering an essential question that guides the learning process. And in that process, I then support and guide my students with learning as they work to find a solution or reach a conclusion to that question. 
this approach really allows the students to have their own like deep sense of autonomy. They get to engage in deep critical thinking and practice 21st century skills while also acquiring the content knowledge for your classroom. And I find that particularly great in mathematics because it helps the students find their own answer to the question of when am I ever going to need this? Yeah, I mean, I think that as someone who who teaches in a project-based way, that that when am I ever going to need this? It's a question that comes almost a cliche, right? When we talk about school, like, what is this actually good for? And I feel like project-based learning, you know, it contextualizes your lessons in a way that it almost feels like you're just giving your students tips and tools that they can use to work on their project that they're doing anyway, right? Exactly, absolutely. And it really makes it feel like you're giving them something, even though it's the same class, like the project is for my class, I still feel like it's it's abstracted out in a way that I'm giving them help on something that they feel like they need help with, even though it's still work for my class. Yeah, no, the way that the knowledge is transferable outside of the classroom is one of my favorite aspects of project-based learning. Yeah. And, you know, it's, if you'll permit me a particularly like nerdy detour here, uh, as I was watching the webinar, which I'll link in the show notes, by the way, uh, there's a recording of the webinar, which is really fantastic. Um, I, I'm a pretty avid video gamer. And I thought of, uh, I don't know if people are familiar with like city simulation games, like SimCity. These are games that have been around forever. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I was thinking like project-based learning is a lot like a city sim game in that there's like a set of win conditions, but the final city that you build is unique every time, right? Like absolutely in a, in a more linear video game or even like a movie, right? The end is essentially prescribed. Like we know the path you'll take and we know where you'll wind up. Um, in a, in a city sim game, you might win, but your city might look completely different from somebody else's city who plays the same game and wins the same way. And in a project-based class, you know, the project has similar, uh, similar requirements, similar win conditions, if you will, but each student's project is completely different. And I think that that's one of the really powerful things about it in my class anyway. I love that analogy there. I've never heard it compared to that, but that's absolutely accurate, right? You're given the same set of starting conditions and you know that you want to win at the end or you know kind of where you're going, but what you do along the way is absolutely like it's complete own journey. Yeah. And so you, I think that what made me think of this was your analogy of ordering dessert versus... um what was it? Can you remind me? Oh, yeah. It's having dessert versus like preparing for and hosting a dinner party. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So I'm curious what you think makes a unit, a good unit to be a project-based unit. How do you decide whether a unit will be project-based or not? Well, uh, I'm at a project-based school, so all of mine are going to be project-based. But like, really, in doing that and in coaching with all of the different teachers that I get to work with, I've come to find that most content standards can be learned through project-based learning. But what makes a really great project-based learning unit isn't just that you are going to have a real-world connection. It's that the learning is going to be relevant. So authenticity needs to be that driving factor for a quality project exploration. And as long as you can find relevance for your students, you're going to be able to engage them in that deeper learning process. 
really at the heart of project-based learning, you want to make sure that your students are able to take these skills and transfer them across the curriculum and back out into the real world. So when I'm thinking about designing a project-based learning unit, I want to make sure that the content that I'm trying to cover has enough depth to it that my students are going to be able to engage in critical thinking and that they're going to be able to take that learning and kind of explore it in a way that is unique to them. Can you think of a unit that would not be well-suited to project-based learning? And what is it about the unit that makes it prime to be a project-based unit? Yeah, so a unit that's not going to be good to use with project-based learning is going to be one that is really focused on procedural-based skills. And so I feel like that is something that you encounter in math, you encounter in English, and you encounter when you are working with world languages. Anytime you have to practice a set of like rote rules over and over again, that is not going to be a rich enough experience for your students to engage in a full project-based learning exploration. Hmm, So I'm curious then, at your school, which is all project-based, how do you handle those particular skills? How do you handle those types of units? Yeah, so that can be a real struggle. And I've been there for 10 years and I've been teaching all the different levels of math. And there are just some times where you try to design a project and it's a total flop because you aren't able to make it real and relevant for your students. And so that's when I will have like those one-off lessons where we are just taking that time to practice that skill and to get good at those procedures. And then I'll still try to bring in some real world aspects of it by, you know, incorporating performance tasks or showing them truly where they may encounter it in the future, even if it's not going to be in their direct future. Sure. And I feel like it's not inauthentic necessarily to be taught a new skill that you may or may not see that that it's relevant to you right now. I mean, like, you know, the the very fact of learning a new skill is sort of part of the learning process in a more meta way, right? Yes, absolutely. The ability to learn how to learn. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit more specifically about modern classrooms then. How do you merge this project-based model with the modern classrooms instructional model? So this is, it's just the perfect marriage, to be quite honest. I completely agree. Right? Okay. So, I mean, we know that throughout the project, our students are going to um, be taking their own pathways and expressing their own autonomy and trying to keep the students on the same pace and delivering live lessons during project-based learning just doesn't work well. We know it doesn't work well all the time in any learning situation, but particularly in project-based learning, it is really a struggle. So when I'm designing the projects, projects are often, you know, three, four, nine weeks, right? Like they can get really long. And these projects are then broken down into smaller chunks um, or milestones of focused learning to kind of help scaffold the students' investigations of that essential question. And so that's where I've been able to really fuse the modern classrooms approach and integrate it in. So I'm creating the lessons that align with these milestones and the students can access them at the exact time that they need to within the project. And it's just like the most beautiful coming together of awesome best practices. Yeah, I completely agree. Self-pacing, which is obviously one of the key components of the modern classrooms model, self-pacing makes perfect sense in a project-based setting because 
the the material itself is different. You know, kids can spend different amounts of time on the different milestones depending on what their project looks like. There's no set time that any particular project will follow. And and I think that if you if you try to force them to follow a particular set time, it might hinder their progress or you know, it might rush them a lot or it might be way too much time. I do a similar thing in my classroom. My milestones are I think they're smaller scale milestones than yours, but each one of my lessons is a single milestone. It's like a single step in terms of the project. My projects, you know, I teach music, so my students make a song, right? And every lesson is one step in the creation of that song. And those are my milestones. And those are my master checks, you know, seeing if they've done it. But for instance, you know, what I was thinking of is like, if the project has to have a drum beat and it has to have lyrics, right? Some kids will spend a ton of time like really tweaking their drum beat and working really hard and making their drum beat super awesome and be different for the whole song and then just sing ad-libs, right? While other kids might spend a really long time crafting like poetic, beautiful lyrics and just make a single measure of the drum beat and copy and paste it. And both of those are fine because they're they're just different projects, right? right. And so in a self-paced class which is what modern classrooms definitely gives me. I don't have to rush either of those kids and I don't have to shut down either of those fantastic, you know, ideas or creative outlets because they can take all the time they need for any particular lesson and take a little less time on a different lesson. It really is the perfect marriage. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think where people are getting nervous about the self-pacing and the time is because some project-based learning units can be so long. And if you've got a, you know, an eight week project going on, your student sense of urgency really just isn't there. And so what we do at my school to try to combat that is we we set kind of firm deadlines for the milestones. Really, it's just a deadline. Like if you are at milestone two by this date, you're definitely on track to finish the project on time. And if you haven't gotten to milestone two yet at this point, like that's an indicator to you as a student and me as a teacher that we need to work together so that you feel comfortable mastering this milestone and moving on. Because at the end of a project-based learning unit, we've often got these really big events or showcases of our knowledge, and we want to make sure that all of our students are prepared for that. Yeah. I, so I know that your milestones have multiple lessons within them, right? Mine do. Yes. So does your pacing tracker show the milestones or does it show the lessons or some combination of both? It shows a combination of both. So I use a kind of a spreadsheet that I put up on the board each day for my students. And it includes at least one milestone and all of the lessons within it. Okay. Sometimes it'll include, you know, two milestones with all of the lessons included with it. Um, and I can give you a demo of that. We can include in the show notes so people can get an idea of what it is that I'm talking about. But um, for you know a nine-week project, I can't put all of those lessons up on the board. That would be crazy. Yeah. And it would intimidate the kids. I mean, yeah. was, not only would it not fit, it would be intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. So I give them what we're working on and where they're going. And I always try to be a couple of lessons out beyond whoever is, is furthest in the project. That way they can still see where they're headed. And the students who are, you know, a little bit further behind, not that they're behind, right? But they're just earlier in that learning stage. They can still see all of the lessons that are upcoming for them. Yeah, mine is a little bit different. And I can also include a version of my pacing tracker, which doesn't have milestones. Um, my milestones, like I said, are each individual lesson. And I do work with younger kids. So my time scale is a little bit shorter. Uh, my units are usually six weeks. And 
I do definitely feel what you're saying, though, about that sense of urgency kind of flagging, especially toward the end of a project. Uh, What I do is I have the kids do a critique in the middle, like a draft critique. So there's nothing due, but it's like they want to get their project to a place where it's at least, you know, coherent (laughs) so that they're not embarrassed when they when they do their draft critique. Yeah. So clearly modern classrooms, instructional practices fuse perfectly well with project based learning. They do. Yeah. And what about the video instruction? How do you implement video instruction or blended learning in a project-based setting? So when you're trying to create these videos and lessons, I always design them to be as project neutral as possible. That way I can reuse them just over and over again. So for example, this year, I've already had two classes do two completely different projects with just one set of lessons. I had a group of freshmen who was doing a project on space exploration, and they were using linear equations in the sense of like distance, rate, and time. And then I had a group of sophomores doing linear equations also. And this group was doing it with like the cost of goods. And we're thinking about food in particular. So two completely different ideas, one set of videos and lessons. And the fact that they're project neutral means that I can just keep taking those same lessons, using them over and over again, regardless of what the project is. It's just based on what my students are going to need within that project. Oh, that's very cool. Do you do you reuse the same videos like with the same kids in the same year on different projects? Yeah, absolutely. So if I have students who are going to need to revisit the idea of rate of change, then I will just reuse that video. I might not make them do the same practice again, but it'll be there as a review, especially, you know, if they don't make that mastery check, I might say, hey, you need to review this before I will reassess you. That's really interesting. So this is one of the ways in which our project-based modern classroom, at least our videos, are a little bit different. My my videos are not project neutral. They are specific to the individual project, but I will link, like if there's a step that the kids have to do again that they've done before, I'll just link to the old video and say, you know, if you need a refresher, watch this. But that's actually really cool because I can see how the curriculum kind of spirals around itself like that. I hadn't even thought about it that way, but I guess I'm also doing that too. That's very cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, so we've talked about the first two big components of the modern classrooms model, which is the blended learning and the self-pacing. But what about the third component, which is mastery-based grading? How do you implement a mastery-based grading system in your project-based learning setting? So that's a really great question. When I think about mastery-based grading, a mastery-based assessment in my project-based learning classroom, I see it really playing out in two different instances. The first instance is one that is pretty traditional to a modern classroom's approach. It's at the end of each of my lessons after they've gone through the video instruction and done, you know, their guided notes or their check for understandings. They've had some time to practice with that content, and then they feel like they've really mastered it, then they take a mastery check for me right? But then I frequently have multiple lessons within each milestone. So my students have to demonstrate mastery one of all of the different lessons within that milestone. And then again, they demonstrate mastery at the end of the milestone. So I like to call my end of milestone formative assessments milestone markers. And this is an opportunity for my students to synthesize everything that they have learned throughout that milestone and bring it all together in an effort to show mastery of the content and the project knowledge all at the same time. 
this is a really great opportunity for my students to know that they've mastered that driving question for our milestone and that they are then really confident moving forward into the next milestone, knowing that what they've learned is going to be accurately represented. And when we get to the end of each project, we're bringing all of our milestones together and synthesizing what we've learned. And they're already confident that they have mastered that material. So they're not getting to the end of the project and finding out that they don't know something, right? They've already had to demonstrate mastery of it for me. So they're really confident when they go to present those final products at whatever our culminating event happens to be. And so mastery-based grading really, really enables my students to build that confidence in themselves and to continue working and engaging in the project in a way that is meaningful and authentic to them. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. And I think you make a a really fantastic point about the students having that confidence that they're doing the project correctly, that they have actually mastered something. You know, my mastery checks, like I said, I think everything in my class is slightly smaller scale than yours because I'm working with younger kids who need sort of more structured steps through the project. But after they complete a mastery check in my class, they know and I know what they've done. They know they've done it right. And they know that they've gotten my approval. Uh, It's very rare that a student will finish all the lessons in my class and have a project that is of poor quality because in the modern classrooms way, I've been sort of reviewing their work the whole way through. I almost think of my mastery checks as like items on a to-do list, right? If you've done the thing correctly, it doesn't matter what you've actually done musically, but you've met the project requirement. You've done the thing you needed to do and you've done it right. And so by the end, they have all the steps done correctly and they have a, a decent song. And that for me is is the mastery, right? But you, I think that your point is really great that it's not just for the teacher. It's for the student to know and understand, I did this, I mastered this, I know how to do this now. And that's one of the really great things about this model, I think. Well, both models, but in particular, the idea of a mastery check, right? Of an accomplishment that the student feels really confident in. Cool. Well, let's take a short break. We're going to hear from Kate And Kristen and I will be back to chat more project-based learning in a modern classroom right after this. Hi, everyone. Kate Gaskell, Head of Teaching and Learning here. Every day, our staff at the Modern Classrooms Project works hard to empower you, the educator. And we are just getting started. Help us improve our professional development resources and win prizes by taking a survey for us. Educators are busy, so this survey will take less than 10 minutes, and we would really appreciate it. Visit modernclassrooms.org slash user hyphen survey before May 1st to share your thoughts. Thank you for all you do. All right, listeners, welcome back. So let's, let's dive back into this. Something that I know a lot of teachers are apprehensive about modern classrooms is that self-pacing is sort of like a very chaotic way of running a classroom. It's something that worried me when I was first planning my classroom, and it was something that I immediately became less worried about as I saw it in practice. But I can actually imagine people thinking that same thing about project-based learning, right? That students are all working on different stuff. And so if you compound that with students working on different things at different paces, it would just exacerbate the sort of chaos of the classroom. Um, how do you how do you manage that, and how do you keep track of everything that's going on in a self paced, self guided curriculum of project based learning? 
Right. All all of the self-guidedness, all of the student autonomy that is happening. Yeah. So I mean, it's been 10 years that I've been doing this. So I am absolutely used to being a chaos coordinator. I'm very used to my students being in different parts of the projects at different times. And it, again, I think the modern classrooms approach really helps me here because now I'm not trying to manage all of that chaos and sneak in live lessons that, like I said, may or may not be at the right point for my students. What's really helpful for me here is thinking about those milestones and thinking about that pacing guide. And I use a a student-facing tracker or a tracker that we all see at all times. So my students know exactly where they're at within the different lessons within that milestone. And I know where they're at. So they're able to partner up together, see who they can work with and collaborate with, and access the lesson materials at the exact right time that they need to. So actually, I think that it helps me streamline some of that chaos. It definitely doesn't add to it. Yeah. I completely agree. I'm going to keep banging this drum about the pacing tracker being like the thing that changed my life. You know, it's it's like, it's so beneficial for everyone. The kids can see where they're at, like you said, and the teachers can see where every kid is at. And that means that whatever's happening around you, you can walk up to any kid at any moment and know what they're doing and have a really good idea of what they might need. That That data, like it's so informative and you know, we've talked about this a lot in terms of modern classrooms. We've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast. It's it's sort of common knowledge in modern classrooms. Like, because you can see where every kid is at, you can really target your instruction to the kids who most need it. And like you said, because we're not trying to like shoehorn in lessons that may or may not be relevant, uh, we are always relevant because we're always there for the kids, no matter what they need. I, I mean, at least we're thought partners for them. We have, presumably, we have the knowledge and the skills that they need, may need for whatever step they're on. And so by looking at the pacing tracker, the chaos goes away because you become focused on one kid and you can help them with whatever they need at, at whatever stage of the project they're at, whatever material they're working on. And it's really, really powerful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I love being able to see, especially if my students are getting to a point in the project where I know they're going to need a little bit more hands-on time for me, I can see that displayed and I know like who's approaching that part of the milestone, who I can pull to do a quick direct support with right then before I let them go. So I know something that I mentioned in the webinar with Kate was that sometimes I use videos to help teach students different, you know, tools or resources that they might need in project-based learning. You know, if I want to send them to the makerspace, I can create a video instructing them how to use our 3D printer. They can do a mastery check. That mastery check might even be making something on that 3D printer, right? But once I know where my students are at, I'm following that tracker. I know who's going to be going where and what supports they're going to need along the way. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I remember you mentioning that. I worked with a mentee who was was basically a shop teacher and he was like teaching students how to use like table saws and things. And it was like, the mastery check is like life or death here, really. (laughs) It's like you have to, you know. You have either mastered it or you have lost a finger. Right. (laughs) Or you can't go to the table saw. Like you can't move on in the unit. Yes. But yeah, like I really just think that like this idea of controlled chaos, like the control comes from the pacing tracker. And I think that if if I were to 
recommend to a teacher, how could they change their classroom tomorrow? It would be to make a tracker that has the tasks the students must do on them and then put a check in every box that the students have done. And you'll see, you'll see at a glance, like what's going on in your classroom and you'll have more control over the class in a pedagogical way, like not like behavioral control, like control over the education that's happening in your classroom than ever before. Yeah. And I think another really great use of that tracker is when my students are are deep diving, they're really going down the rabbit hole. They're excited about one aspect of the project or another. So maybe they're spending more time in their class period doing research on the project topic, right? Not necessarily on my lessons. They can then look back at that pacing tracker and say, oh, shoot, you know, I still have two or three more content lessons that I need to be able to answer this. And so then they can figure out how to better use their time, you know, how much more time they want to spend researching and investigating versus how much time they want to be spending on that content. So that they're getting to that milestone in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, speaking about the pacing tracker, and this is another topic that I always tie back to the pacing tracker, but can you talk about the role of collaboration in your project-based learning units? Yes, absolutely. So collaboration, we know, is a critical skill for anyone to develop. I think we've seen, especially in the last year, that being able to collaborate with people virtually is also going to be you know, a really important skill for our students. But I really want to make sure that they are able to have another person, at least one other person with them to bounce those ideas off of, to help them find those those nooks that they want to explore a little bit more. So, you know, collaboration could be as informal as working together to share in the research process or working together to collaborate on that lesson that they're learning. Maybe they're both watching that video, taking some notes, and then talking about how this does or doesn't apply to the project. I don't know why it wouldn't, but sometimes they have an argument against it. So, you know, I love that. That's them using their critical thinking skills. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? But then, like you were saying, you have your students participate in a critique, and I think that that is such a vital part of the project-based learning process is being able to have that feedback from other students about what you're making. And so in my projects, in each milestone, they they culminate with a milestone marker, right? So it's it's a chunk of the project that they are then going to be able to either take as is or somehow use that same knowledge in their final presentation at the end of it. Um, and so going through and giving that feedback or critiquing that work at that point is really critical, making sure that they know that they're set with that amount of knowledge before they move on to that next milestone. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, one thing that I find with those critiques, I also do a final critique. And so my kids practice critiquing a lot. Not only is it really important in project-based learning, it's it's like one of the biggest pillars of project-based learning, I think, is sharing your work, right, and having it be critiqued. But I also find that because I teach young kids, like they learn to use the language in those critiques. And then when they're just informally hearing something from somebody else, they'll use that language. I don't have open-ended critiques. I'm not just like, here, listen and say something. You know, I give them sentence starters and I give them sort of prompts to to write up their feedback. And so they learn what to listen for in, in their peers' music. They learn how to critique and they start using that language constructively, even just informally. It's very cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, when we're starting with our students, we do just some warm and cool feedback and they can give each other feedback based on like 
again, going back to that pacing tracker, they know who's ready to give and receive feedback. They know who they can partner up with. I don't have to be the one orchestrating it, right? So they can they can get together, they can collaborate. And then we use, um, I like because, or I wonder if for kind of our critical feedback there. But you're right. We, even as a staff, we talk about everything in those terms, like, oh, I really like your project because of this. And like, I wonder if you added in this element, or I wonder if you took it this direction. And it's just so funny, the more that you use those things, the more that it just becomes ingrained in you. And again, then it's transferable outside of that project and outside of your classroom. Totally. One other one other thing that I'll say that has happened in my class since Adopting modern classrooms, you know, because projects in a project based learning unit are so big, like they're so there's such wide scope, big scale projects, right? There's so many different things that they have to do. I've had kids sort of like take on the role or or different roles. And then like other kids in the class will go to them to do that thing for them. Um, thinking in particular of one kid who became like my class singer, right? I will require kids to have voice in their songs, but I don't actually require them to sing. Like they can get someone else to sing for them. So this one kid became like the singer for that class. And that was really cool because it showed the kids like, oh, I can get him to sing for me. Like, I don't want to sing, but I can get him to sing for me. And the kids saw, you know, there are other kids around you who have talents that are different from your talents, right? And you can really leverage other people to improve your project. And um, that's the one example that stood out to me, but I have kids who, you know, are really, really good at making particular kinds of drum beats. And so others will go to them for help with that. And like letting those sort of roles with very specific relations to the content, right? In my class, it's music. So these are musical roles, Um, but letting those kind of flourish, you know, and letting the kids, because in a modern classroom, they might be free to do that, right? Like this particular kid who was the singer, you know, he was generally on pace. So he was okay pausing his work and going to sing the part for some other other group. And like, they got to teach it to him and he got to learn it. And it was like some of the most organic collaboration, like real collaboration I've ever seen students doing. Um, I guess you'd have to be careful with that. Like it'd have to be a thing that isn't necessarily a must do or a requirement that every kid do or learn because that might be like academic dishonesty if they were getting other kids to do their stuff for them. But if it's possible, like that's a really powerful type of collaboration that I've seen too. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the great aspects of project-based learning is that students are able to find their strengths and they can let them shine, right? So like you're saying that student is a strong singer. You have another student who's really strong with those drum beats. Um, you know, it's not quite that cut and dry in my classroom in math, because I don't know, our projects are all different. We're not making songs like that's awesome. Actually, one time they did make me a song (laughs) and it was actually pretty great. Um, It's called Math Star and it was very memorable. So I'm sure clearly those students got a lot out of that project. Um, But no, like, and actually, that was a strength of my student. My student was like a really talented rapper. And he was like, I want to be able to make a project and I want to rap in it. And I was like, lift the dream. If you can explain mathematical concepts to me in a rap, like more power to you. And because I've got this project based classroom, I'm able to let my students take their learning in whatever direction they choose. And then 
tying in the modern classrooms with that, you know, they can learn the content when they need to. So they're free to follow those creative passions and free to use their strengths in a way that makes sense to them. And I'm not concerned that they're not getting the content knowledge that they need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that about project-based learning. And I, I, I totally agree. Like in a, in a modern classroom setting where they're a little bit more free to to move around, to 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 work at their own pace. Um, this can really, really cool things can happen and kids can see each other doing awesome things and they learn that their peers can can benefit them. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. I have one last question for you to close us out, but I kind of feel like we could talk about <laughs> project-based learning for the rest of the night. Um, but I mean, always game for that. <laughs> if you were meeting a teacher who was comfortable with modern classrooms, so comfortable with self-pacing, comfortable with maybe that controlled chaos, comfortable making videos, comfortable using mastery-based assessment, but weren't so familiar with project-based learning and they were interested in designing a project-based unit, where should they start? Can you point them to any resources or can you give them any advice and anything they should keep in mind as they plan? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if they're already comfortable with the modern classroom approach, then you're right. They probably are already at least a little bit comfortable with being that chaos coordinator and having let go of some of those reins. When I was first starting out with project-based learning, um, we referenced almost always the Buck Institute of Education. They've now since changed to become PBL Works, and they are still my go-to Anytime that I need to kind of like brush up on a, a particular aspect of project-based learning. So anyone who's brand new to project-based learning, I would definitely go and start there. They have some really great video resources. They have rubrics um, for all different aspects of a project. They're going to walk you through the seven elements of project-based learning, which we touch on a little bit in the webinar. And they they are just like the biggest hub of knowledge for that. And then I guess as you are planning this project, like what I had mentioned earlier, keeping those videos kind of project neutral. But the best way I can imagine to do that is to try to anticipate what questions your students are going to have about that project. So you're you're anticipating what your students need to know questions are, and that's going to help you design some of those lessons or videos up front, whether, whether that's like content specific or not, right? Like if you know that your students are going to have questions or want to use a resource you've never used before, you can create a video about that in addition to, you know, creating videos that are content based. So definitely anticipating the questions ahead of time pre-planning some of the lessons. And then also, if you've anticipated these questions, that can help you when you're in that project launch phase where you're eliciting questions from the students and trying to see where they're going. It can help you make sure that you're kind of steering the ship at least a little bit of the way so that the students are definitely going to be getting that content knowledge because sometimes you launch a project and the questions kids have you've never thought of like, where did this even come from? Yeah. And it's so far out from left field. And you're like, it's not going to cover the content at all. So like, good, collect those questions. But then also you've done that prep work, you can kind of steer them along the way of like, actually, what about this and get them a little bit more back on track with what you were thinking of. I, I guess I would add like the 
that anticipating the common questions, right, is sort of it's sort of like the the planning of the project because the projects themselves can just take on so many different forms. And I, I definitely my own experience was that when I first started doing this project based learning long before I started modern classrooms, like I did a terrible job anticipating the questions, but I learned from it. You know, that first unit, the kids are going to ask you questions that you did not anticipate, but keep track of that. First of all, from one class to the next, like they'll ask you similar questions and you can you can use that in your third period if your second period threw you off, right? Yes. But as you move on into the next unit, I think it, it starts to become clear that like you, your planning is like looking at what the requirements are, what you want the outcome to be, and just thinking like, what what are the hiccups that they might encounter along the way? I, I personally do the projects myself. In a music class, I'm just writing a song. Um so it's not hard to come up with like an authentic version of the project. I just do the song myself. I make the song myself. But doing that really shows me like, oh, my lesson talked about doing this thing, but actually it has to talk about doing this other thing <laughs> because, you know, that wasn't what they're going to, that's not the problem they're going to run into. I think that's a really, really great point. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of power in working through the project yourself or, you know, if you've used a project and you're reusing it, you've got some exemplars and you know where to go. But again, yeah, if you're just getting started with project-based learning, I would definitely check out the PBL Works website. They are great. Uh, If anyone is a, you know, math or STEM educator, come find me. I'm happy to share some of the project ideas that I've learned. And um, in the webinar, you can see how I've fused the PBL with the modern classrooms in a visual way. Yeah, so I um I mentioned before that I am like completely self-taught in PBL and one of the resources that I used from from the Buck Institute when it was the Buck Institute was the book Setting the Standard for Project-Based Learning, which is a really fantastic, very short, easy read, but it like really lays out all the 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 big fundamentals and I I'm going to throw that in the show notes because I thought it was a really great resource that that really changed my teaching. That's awesome. And I think we're both really dating ourselves here at the Buck Institute of Education. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that just shows how long project-based learning has been around. So it's not something that, you know, is just brand new and is trendy. It's a really powerful way of learning that has been around for a while. And our students can really benefit in so many ways beyond just content acquisition. They're, you know, they're learning those 21st century skills. They're learning to be flexible. They're learning time management. And I just think it's it's a great approach. And I'm so thrilled that I found Modern Classroom so that I could fuse that in there and take out that bottleneck of me having to do a live lesson. It's just been a really, really great blessing to have found the Modern Classrooms project when I did. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. Project-based learning and Modern Classrooms. And together, you're right. There's nothing like it. There's nothing quite like it. Well, Kristen Moore, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been really, really fun and really informative for me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zach. Like I said, I love project-based learning. I really see a beautiful marriage between project-based learning and modern classrooms. And I am so excited to help support any other teacher who's interested in infusing those two together. It can be such a powerhouse for your classroom and for your students. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, listeners. There's a ton of cool stuff in the show notes. PBL Works is definitely well represented down there. So check it out and have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. 
You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.